Good Horror, covering the best and worst of the horror genre since Halloween 2007. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name is Eric and I'll be your host for this evening where we will be discussing the autopsy, the autopsy of one Miss Jane Doe. I'm the editor-in-chief. No, I'm not. Mark is. I'm the host of Bloody Good Horror. First up, joining me tonight, the EIC and the head web developer at Bloody Good Horror. His name is Mark. It's your boy. Your boy, Mark. Next up on the show, every time... We let him go. We let him fly away. He comes back to us. And that's how you know that he loves us. And it was meant to be. His name is John Schnars. Oh, hey. thought you were going with an Andy there, but uh, I'm glad to be here, guys. It's a poem I read once. I don't know. It just stuck with me. I think of you all the time about John. Next up on the show... <laughs> co-host of the Instamatic, published author of horror fiction. His name is Casey. Hello! And last up tonight... Coming to you from the Midwest, wearing a bloody good horror shirt. Uh, we'll call him our head beardsmith at Bloody Good Horror, and his name is Andy. He's he's muted also. <laughs> you know. There you go. <laughs> he's a also mistake. also remember, folks, we're professionals. One half of the Sophisticult Cinema Crew. Mm-hmm. It's really like a one-third, but that, you know, whatever. That's cool. I don't count uh, no. Cinemar. I don't count Cinemar. you anymore, Schnars. Oh. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> no. You're barely a part of this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I see. I see what you did there, buddy. God, we're turning right. into such sassy people. We, right do you like age. it better, John? Oh, Lord. We yeah, are here tonight guys. to discuss the autopsy of Jane Doe. This is a big uh, monumental moment here in Bloody Good Horror, guys. This is the first time, I think, that Brian Cox has made an appearance since the infamous uh, Brian Cox's monkey jail from <clears throat> from the Planet of the Apes. Ooh. So, I mean, uh, that's a long is time. Is that possible? Yeah, it's been a really long time. I mean, we only review a certain subsection of movies, so. Was Brian Cox's monkey jail before or after Trick or Treat? I was just about to look that up. Wait, why? It was definitely after. Because he was in it. Oh, I think Trick or Treat was a long-ass time ago, like eight years yeah, ago. Trick or Treat was like 08. Yeah. Or we probably watched it in like 09, but um, I mean, I watch a Brian Cox movie. Queen Lord can probably drive yeah. by now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Quinn Lord's in like college, probably. Yeah. Tagging shit. I think he applied for a Pell Grant and uh, wrote an essay about Bloody Good Horror's okay. involvement in his career. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, one time my dad let me let me old. talk to a weird guy who recorded my voice. <laughs> right. You're listening to Bloody Good Horror. And then he gave me 20 bucks. It was weird. Uh, anywho, sorry. I just, you know, wanted to totally derail everything. <laughs> Quinn Lord talk. Um, Quinn Lord has been working, guys. He, he well, sure 2014 was his last credit. Talented so. young gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, John, breaking news. 
Oh, God. Oh. I'm reading a real book. Oh, no. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> We've come so far. <laughs> I'm reading George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> <laughs> Making the mind-blown, like, you know, visual well, for folks. I've ne- so I've, I've never read it. It's probably not a surprise. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like, John, there's a lot of people out there lately saying things that are demonstrably untrue, that I know to be untrue, but then after a certain amount of time, when someone keeps telling you something is true, you start to feel cr- like crazy, right? Like that's the whole term, like gaslighting. Might, like, might you call that double talk? Double speak. Double right? speak. Like, <laughs> it's been a long so time. I'm literally starting to feel insane, so I thought, what better time? So, and I'm reading 1984, and let me tell you, brother, it is spooky. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good book. Yeah. It's really good. It's very good. George Orwell, very smart man. I I have a tough time with fiction, but I'm I'm burning through it. It's written really well. It turns out the guy's it. talented. Like, say you have a hard time with fiction, and it's like you read a good book, and you're like, wow, yeah, this, is, this is actually yeah. pretty good. Hmm. <laughs> no, like, yeah. fiction literally puts me to sleep. Like, I'll read two pages, and I'm out for like an hour. Yeah. No, that's, that's like when, when people told me that I don't like Bloody Marys because I've never had a good Bloody Mary before. Let's and be clear. I did, and I and you're like, them. you're like, no, fuck you. I don't want to drink tomato juice because I'm not a savage. <laughs> First of all, let's be clear here. George R. R. Martin makes you sleepy. <laughs> yeah, I never made it. Th- I made it through halfway through the second book, and that was I mean, it. Eric, little secret: don't lay down and read books if you're going to fall asleep while you're reading them. You know, you <laughs> it should be interesting enough that it should keep me awake. Don't you think? Oh no. no. Eric, when you get three quarters of the way through 1984 and you get to the part where it's a book within the book, give oh, me a call. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I know. I read. I read. Just ha- gonna have to put it down. Fucking. I did <laughs> back in the day. I did read House of Leaves, which has like multiple books within a book. Oh god, no patience for it. Yeah, Couldn't that's do a head it. trip. At some point in House of Leaves, you flip the page and the words literally are going in like a spiral around the page. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, that's that's a little much. Yeah, it's pretty good though. <laughs> Well, congrats, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm proud of you. Thanks, I've said so it, proud. I did like. I think it was on the. I listened to the last episode, and as proof, I can uh, cite the fact that uh, I think you were talking about how like the real world is. You like can't read Twitter or something, or you can't read the newspaper it's too anymore. Much. It's too much. I can't. Yeah. yeah. No, John, no. did you listen to the entirety of last week's episode? Sure did. And so- did you remember to wear your underwear? Uh, oh yeah we were talking about that pre-show i, I mentioned that to, to casey uh what was like joe like the only one at home last last time like what was going on i, I don't no know idea. but it was amazing it was, it was like, an epic moment one of my favorite things that's ever happened it was it was solid uh so listen, i can't imagine having a parent and and podcast at the same time so i make sure my wife's here yeah <laughs> see make sure you lock the door once you get in the room <laughs> yeah you're, you're not coming out until we cut an ep yeah. <laughs> That's an EP. All right, since, uh, since I knew Eric intended to transition this this book talk, can we talk about this wonderful contest we have going on at the BGH Book Club? Yes, that is what I intended. Okay, sweet. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Cece, the high priestess of books and shit, I believe, as Eric calls her, a bloody good horror, also the hostess of uh, the Something Red podcast, uh, is the is also the curator and spiritual leader of the Bloody Good Horror Book Club. Which, so many titles. Yeah, which used to, which used to be in our, in our... I believe it's, uh, go- high, it's High Priestess of Books and Shit. Yeah, I did say that when you were not paying attention like <laughs> 10 seconds ago. Uh, but, <laughs> Jesus. Um, so anyways, it used to live in our now our subreddit, which is now a ghost town, but now it lives on at Goodreads. So uh, for those of you 
who are not part of it, you should be part of it. She's actually posted the full list of readings for the rest of the year. Uh, the easiest way to get to that is to either go to goodreads.com and search for Bloody Good Horror, or just go to our website and follow the link to the book club. Now, as, uh, as part of Women in Horror Month, which is February, we are giving away a signed copy of Anya Allborn's book, The Devil Crept In. And Cece will also be interviewing her in a future episode of Something Red near the end of the month coming up. So wow. all you have to do to be a part of the contest, uh, you can either go to Goodreads through the way that I just told you, or you can follow us on Instagram at Bloody Good Horror. And it's the, uh, the thread is linked in the profile. All you have to do is go to our Goodreads, join the book club, and then comment on the post titled Win a Signed Copy of Anya Allborn's The Devil Crept In. Couldn't be more straightforward of a name for a post. So hop on in, and hopefully uh, you can find yourself among some like-minded bookish folk enjoying all sorts of spooky books throughout the year. Is that like preemptive smack talk for the first person that writes in and says they can't find it? Which one is it? Yeah, no, it's the one that says win a copy of a book. You literally Um, couldn't be stupider if you can't find it, says Mark from Bloody Good Horror. That's right. You you can quote that. I can vouch. That's real news. If you haven't read any Anya Alborn's uh, books, she's uh, the real deal. She's got some pretty good stuff out there. So I haven't read this one. We're giving away, but I would be willing to bet it's good. So go for it. So you, you've left like 14 comments as like different people? Yes. Shmacy Shmriswell. Anya, we're giving away uh, five copies of the book. So Great. you better pile on. Delightful. And you have a pretty good chance of getting one. So that's kind of cool. Very uh, good. But... You know, what, go. you know what else we should talk about tonight, Mark? So you're here. You're here. You're the editor-in-chief. But someone else is here that people may not know plays a huge role behind the scenes of Bloody Good Horror. Oh, he's the man behind the curtain, for and, sure. And his name is Andy. Don't so, know where this is going. So <laughs> that's all. That's where it's, we went there. We're here. So, uh, no, I'm just thinking, like, we should, he should get a title, too. If you're the new editor-in-chief, he should be, like, your daily managing ma- editor managing like, editor yeah, yeah i was <laughs> gonna i was gonna go with concubine in chief does that work <laughs> oh, that's beautiful i was much better than lap dog editor? but concubine's much better <laughs> uh, beard stroker in chief we can make it a master blaster really go for go for broke sexy trash panda in chief yeah uh, <laughs> yeah but actually andy and cc specifically helped me out a lot with website stuff and they don't uh they don't often get shout outs so shout out to you guys for the, all the help that you provide the unsung heroes of bloody good horror it takes a village it takes a you very now strange been sung village. so then now what you know mm. well now I, I just have to look at the spreadsheet i have uh at my home computer more often yeah. That's it's only important. a matter of time now that they've been sung it's only a matter of time before the internet finds them to be overrated so <laughs> may the trolls come marching in yeah there you go uh, so that's it is there a tweet with bgh coming up or did that happen already that already happened how'd it go you know, I don't know, did, but what? I'm sure it went great. <laughs> there were some tweets. <laughs> uh, people tweeted. They watched a movie. They tweeted. That's yeah, that happened last weekend. Yeah, they watched. I Hush. do believe. Uh, I do believe morale was high. Uh, I think everyone was looking forward to watching Hush, which for listeners, uh, you can check out previous episode of the show as well as review of that film at bloodygoodhorror.com. But uh, yeah, I think everyone needed a bit of a break. Uh, there was a whole bunch of cheese that was waded through, and I think everyone enjoyed Hush. Very nice. Uh, Andy, also Andy, uh, finally here tonight, what's going on with Sophisticult? 
Mm-hmm, what's, mm-hmm. what's the latest mm-hmm. So the last the episode of Sophisticult was uh, Free to the Masses. We covered a Paul Verhoeven double feature talking about L and uh, his other film called Flesh and Blood, which is kind of like a Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. Who? How do you? How did you feel about that doubleheader, John? Steamy. Oh boy! <laughs> it, so, if you guys haven't listened, we get into a lot of questionable topics. Uh, where you know, let's put it this way: Andy wanted to put a trigger warning before the episode, which <laughs> you know, we was somewhat over. We did some. We flagged it a little bit. Oh, if nice. you want to hear three grown ass white straight men dance around some sensitive issues for about an hour you should listen to that show mm-hmm. oh but, that's my favorite kind of dance i do like <laughs> to be triggered so there you go it's mm-hmm. just for you cool but coming up though we are back in the movie theater and we're watching a john wick chapter two. Oh man that's starring cool one keanu reeves is the first one on netflix i gotta check that out it was on uh, hbo for a while that's where i saw it i don't know if it's still streamable there my uh, first exposure to it was actually through my public library. Check that out. Oh, yeah. You and Joe. Dude, like we a... totally go. Yeah, we totally do that, actually. I should do that. You're smart, Andy. Mm-hmm. That's why you're on yeah. Sophisticult. <laughs> John. But yeah, we're uh, watching John Wick Chapter 2, and our throwback pick is this movie called Manhunt uh, that Shelton found. Um, it's not Manhunter, also starring Brian Cox. It's the, this is like a it's Italian a por- crime movie. It's a porno spinoff. We're going to yes. go down a little bit of a rabbit hole for uh, what's it called? Eurocrime, which is a subgenre that I had never heard about. But now I'm really like, well, wouldn't that include, well, uh, wouldn't that include like early Argento stuff? Sort of like he, the like early he, proto, uh, proto Giallo stuff. Well, they put Baba in there, too, right? Yeah. the Like Baba's final film is sort of like one of the early Eurocrime films. Interesting. So you uh, mean Snatch, right? Yeah. It's um, like so time, but European. Oy. John Wick, it looks like, is only available on uh, paid streaming. If uh, you know, no, none of the free streaming varieties. Love it, Schnorrs. Um, if somebody <laughs> was listening to this and they're titillated, how would they find sophisticated okay. cinema? Uh, they would go to Patreon.com. Well, they, they can find support. one episode per something in in this feed oh yeah uh yeah in the main feed we actually the the episode that andy is referring to is actually in the main feed so you know if you're listening you've probably heard it and if you haven't you can go and download it um but otherwise you can get every episode of sophistical cinema as well as bloody good horror uh, by becoming a patron at patreon.com so basically you'll see it periodically same thing with um CC show something red, and I think the Instamatic. I don't know. Do we do those anymore? Is that still a thing? It's been a while. It's going through a uh, regenesis. Go, okay, Casey. Let's I get this say. shit together. So yeah, um, it's been a while. So basically, yeah, you'll get those shows periodically in the free feed, and then like a drug dealer, if you want them all the time, then you can set up set yourself up with some Patreon, and then you can get the private podcast feed. You want the real goody-goody, so to speak. Which is as sexy as it sounds. <laughs> Comes with a free wallpaper of John Shelton. Oh, wrong wrong, wow. wrong, John that I want on my uh, desktop, but it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. That man can sport a sport coat. That's <laughs> true. There you go. Andy, are you Patches drinking... on the elbows and everything. Andy, are you drinking wine? I am. That's adorable. I need it's the blood. antioxidants. What does it taste like? Can you sniff it? What does it smell like? I don't know. It's Boda Box. Can you describe the bouquet? 
hints of oak oakiness some bouquet how's the, how's the mouthfeel rich berries slightly spicy mouthfeel might be a soft fuzz does it taste of shit soaked peat <laughs> That's good. I like. You really that. went there. It's, went a nor- there. it's a it's a northeastern vintage. It's aged mm. four hundred years. Mm. That's a that <laughs> probably four hundred years. Yes. That's a uh, cigarette ash and grease trap. <laughs> that is a cryptic <laughs> spoiler that we won't talk about anymore. Um, I guess that's it, guys. Anybody drinking anything fun? <laughs> Great banter, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I am drinking a funky Buddha hop gun. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yes. Oh, that's like that iced tea song. It's real delicious. Yeah, hit you with the hop gun. Yeah. <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> I follow you. We're white. Um, <laughs> delicious Kirkland brand vitamin water. Wow. Ooh. Nothing but delicious. The, nothing but the ghettoist vitamins for Casey. Just regular water out of a, a yes. Duke Turvis cup for I'm doing, it's Monday and it's snow today, so I'm doing an <clears throat> omission. You got snow? Pale ale. Yeah, we got nine more inches of like, you know that northeastern snow where it's like Oops. a little warm, and so when it hits the ground, it's basically like ten pounds of cement. Yeah, like it's just heavy and filthy. Sure and gross. do. Yeah. So yeah, that was on top of the fourteen inches or whatever we got on Thursday. So we are swimming in shit over here, Schnars. So nice. what are your spirits like? Are they high? Are they cabin fever ravenous? Where, real, where are we at right now? Real, real low. Real low. <laughs> but, but but Orwell, Eric. But but Come 1984 on. is really picking me up. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all balanced, you know? <laughs> Uplifting entertainment. Yeah, yeah. If I need a lift, I go over to this podcast I've been listening to called uh, The Lapsed Fan, which is just a bunch of dudes who were huge wrestling fans in the 80s and 90s and then never watched it like they don't watch any modern stuff and they go back and they review like old, like I'm listening to a show right now about Halloween Havoc 1991 and they do like <laughs> five hour long shows on these pay-per-views. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> that, is that the, the chamber of horrors? Yes. Yes. That's actually relevant to this podcast. Great. Nice tie in. It is nice. one of the greatest podcasts that I've ever heard. And you have to be like a very <laughs> specific kind of nerd in order to enjoy it. But if you are who doggy, it's real weird. Like, there's this brother connection going on with Eric and I, where my my connection and interest in wrestling was starting to wane a little bit, and I think it just transferred to him. Am I like re- it just? <laughs> am I rekindling? He's just it like, for have you? you heard this really obscure podcast? Can I borrow your WWE yeah. Network login? Check out this book I'm reading. Mark's basically He's like, like Mark's really like the in. dude. Mark's gone into AA or whatever, and then I'm backsliding and I'm getting way into drugs. And I'm like, bro, I just got this sick drug. Have you tried it? And he's like, no, nah, man, I'm trying not to like. Uh, all right, yeah, just like maybe a little bit, and then sick drug gets oiled up, man, in tights. <laughs> Great, it's a drug that keeps on giving. The sickest, nothing more Amer- no more American of a drug than oiled up, man, in tights. Oh man. Speaking uh, real quick of lapsed wrestling fans, I just did see an article earlier tonight on Facebook that Gilberg is coming back. Great, good for him. <laughs> Got to get that paycheck somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How old is he? Not Are you Goldberg. talking about Gilberg or Goldberg? Gilberg. Who the fuck oh, is Gilberg? <laughs> the little one. Yeah. <laughs> He's 57, just to be clear. I had this weird wow. moment today. Was there a mini Vader back in the day? There sure was. Okay. Yeah. That, nope. I don't know why that popped into my head, because they were talking about him. I'm like, wasn't there a little person, Big Van Vader? Yep. Sweet. 
I could use a picture of that if someone wants to send it. Oh, All sure, right, guys. I'll find it. Go ahead, you know, go ahead and transition into the uh, horror movie like, film sh- sure, portion I'll, of this podcast. Sure, I'll try I'll, a little uh, meth. I'll do what some could, Google for you. What could one little hit of meth hurt? I'll just do this Google search. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and discuss the autopsy of Jane Doe. Jesus wept. This is Jake Busey. You're listening to the Bloody Good Horror Podcast. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the front time, bitch. And we're back. Squeak that one out. What was that all about? <laughs> John Schnars. Yes, Eric. How are you feeling lately about your Duke lineage? I'm Dude. A, I'm honest moment here. How do you feel about you it? You know, we got we got our crazy man, Steve uh, Steve Miller. Um mm-hmm. Kind of running shit in the White House, which uh, you know, in another administration, you'd be like, yeah, "That's awesome." Right now, uh, not looking so good. Uh, on the flip side, though, yeah. the Blue Devils on the basketball court uh, having a little late season resurgence. So, oh well, that's a, I mean, that makes up for that all the spirits. that makes up for all the white supremacists. Then, so some guys are good at basketball. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, absolutely. Sometimes yeah. you just have to trip your way to the top. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I, you know, this Mark who like is aware of ACC sports is like very for the strange first time in my life. Yeah. It's very strange. Oh, right. I'm not sure I like it. Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, we're all just trying to find unique ways to talk shit to each other. So it's really <laughs> in service of that. I really don't need to expand beyond the few topics that I have. Anyway, John, um, just in case people don't forgot this or don't know, you worked at like the rare. Manuscript the rare book room. library. The rare book. Mm-hmm. Did you have to wear like white gloves like in Bye Bye Man? I 100% did. That's crazy. Did you see Bye Bye Man with us? Yeah, man. It was okay. just me, you, and Joe. Did you get flashbacks? <laughs> yes. The rare book room. I used to have to be like that lady, and I was like straight up trying to fight people. <laughs> Don't who wanted to, like, write, write in the manuscripts. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I don't even, there were, I don't know if you were allowed to have pens. You probably could have pencils in the room. Ugh. So, if you knew so about cursed figures in literature, would you tell somebody? Uh, maybe. If it was like a ring situation where I had to tell someone <laughs> so that I didn't get murdered, then I definitely would tell them. Well, what if they had a substantial fine? Uh, <laughs> oh, then I would tell the authorities. So. <laughs> No. Well, you've Is been that, a grown-up for a while, so the, like the statute of limitations from Duke Library Prison would probably be up. Well, I'm it? glad we're really finding your boundaries here, Snars. I was worried about <laughs> yeah. that. All right, yeah. I have no idea where I was going with any of that, so please bring us the word of the day. I'm not even going to wait for my own bumper, because fuck it. Today's word, Eric, is autopsy. Hmm? Hmm? Oh, I wish Joe was here. So yeah, I'm glad Joe's not here. I don't think I've ever done it before because I looked up the uh, the origin and it was kind of interesting. Um, so autopsy, a postmortem examination to discover the cause of death or the extent of disease. 
And it comes to us from the Greek auto and optos, which together means self and seen. So the original root word is actually eyewitness. Uh, auto, hmm. uh, it's autopit, autoptes. Auto, 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 I can't fucking pronounce Greek. But yeah. So. You know it would be a better word, but I'm, I'm sure you've actually probably used it already. Mm. Exsanguination. Uh, I feel I've like used you, something in that yeah. variety. But yeah. Okay. Good times. We won't, we won't tell Joe, I promise. Thanks, man. All right, John. <laughs> tell me who's yeah. in this movie, who made this movie, what's this movie about? So this movie comes to us from one Andre... Or three thousand, or or Avradal, Andre Avradal. I th- he actually has one of those O's with the line through it, um, because he is a Norwegian gentleman, best known Wait a for a little film called Troll Hunter. Oh fuck! I didn't know that. Yes. Have we seen pictures <laughs> of this person? Uh yeah yeah. Well, I mean I have because I was looking at it on the internet earlier. He's not he the just, one you're hoping. He does not look like me really I mean, in any capacity. Literally any Norwegian person could look like Schnarr, so we just have to be sure. <laughs> no, you have yeah. not looked at a picture of this human. I no. think you it's a yeah. stretch. <laughs> he's like you really have to He's like Schnarr's if he was in like an eighties hair metal band, but now he's just kinda like an alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- yeah, this is his second film, as far as I can tell. He he only has one other thing, which came out uh, last year, which was a short that actually looks kind of interesting. Um, but it stars one Emil Hirsch and then the incomparable Brian Cox, as mentioned earlier. Hey. Um, when we say stars, it's it's really those two. Um, there's one other actress in the film. In fact, the actress uh, p- who plays Jane Doe, um, who does not move the entire. I mean, l- like it's she's a corpse, but uh, she's one of five credited actors in this film. So literally, you have to a, mention literally it. a corpse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the movie is is really uh, it's a very small film, kind of set in one mortuary in Virginia. Um, Brian Cox plays the sort of head mortician. Um, Emil Hirsch is his assistant. Um, we also have the, there's a sheriff. Um, he, he's played by the guy uh, who runs the Dreadfort in Game of Thrones. Dude, yes. Escape me right now. Uh, uh, he who runs the Dreadfort. Bruce Bolton. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Bolton. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and then you also have another character who's like very lightly in this, uh, a woman named Ophelia Lovabond. She plays the, the sort of girlfriend of Emil Hirsch. She's probably on screen for like three minutes. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really this film about Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch, uh, performing this autopsy on a Jane Doe who is discovered in the basement of a home where there had been several murders that, that were very suspicious. The film opens with the sheriff kind of ex- exploring that home, seeing seeing these other murders. Uh, he then goes downstairs, and there's basically this half-exposed body of Jane Doe. Um, you know, he quickly kind of takes her out of there, takes her down to the mortuary, and Brian Cox, you know, it's a small town. He's, he's like, kind of closing up shop for the night, and the the sheriff says, you know, I got to get this done by tomorrow because there's going to be like a ton of media coverage around these murders. And the fact that we found this like super weird body in the basement, like you have to give us something to go on so that when this hits the media, we can we can really start to kind of at least tell the story. Uh, John, um, the dishonest media. 
the yeah <laughs> sorry the mainstream media. media uh yeah he yeah he actually we need some that. fake news to pre- present i believe the <laughs> term you're looking for is illusion press john it's weird because you would think he would have just only, made up something only andy only andy picked that up <laughs> <laughs> but um so so yeah he drops the he drops off this jane doe he's kind of like listen you got to get this done um emil hirsch was actually on his way out on a date um but he kind of comes back and is like you know what i gotta help finish this up um and so yeah they they start performing this autopsy and and it's in a lot of ways the film is a procedural about the the autopsy itself there's a lot of sort of like description of the state, the steps or the stages um, of the of the process, and sort of what they expect to find or like what can be revealed um, mm-hmm. at each step, um, and and sort of as they start, sort of weird things start to happen. For one thing, the the outside of this woman's body looks pretty well preserved, but her eyes are cloudy in a way that is, is like indicates she's been dead for a long time. They cut into her. There's like actual blood that comes out. But when they sort of get into her organs, they've all been like dead and they're like very, you know, heavily damaged. Um, when they remove them, they start to rot more quickly. So there's just like all this weird stuff. They're trying to kind of piece together what they think could have happened. Um, but at the same time, uh, spooky transpirings start to occur. It's true. And uh, yeah. And so, I mean, that's really kind of the setup and, and really all you need to know. The film's about an hour and 25 minutes long. Um, and again, it's only two characters. So in a lot of ways, it it, it kind of like clips along very quickly. It's, it becomes sort of a locked door mystery in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We definitely I don't think we want to spoil, but we can probably leave it there for now. Mark. Yeah. Um, I So I really... I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed the, I think the first two thirds of it, I think were super well done. It it really has a way of like hooking you into how this autopsy is going. And like John said, it is kind of this mystery that you're trying to piece together what the hell's happening. And it's really done in a way where you really couldn't possibly guess exactly what happens in the end. And I thought it was really well done. I mean, it's, it, it would be pretty easy to make an autopsy film like this and have it be kind of disgusting and uncomfortable and hard to watch. And, and, and there's a little bit of, there's yeah. some grossness, right? There's sure. some, uh, there's some grossness. We can just I say. mean, if you were squeamish, like you would probably not be down with the Listen, amount of body, I, body stuff. There's I, body stuff. In I this. actually looked away <laughs> at a couple of points in this movie. I was like, yeah, ah, sure. But I just mean, it's not, it's, it's not, not like, wholly unbearable, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had sort of talked about this ahead of the show that we weren't sure that we were going to spoil it. Um, it's a little tough to talk about my main criticism of the movie without spoiling it, but I will say once they start to explain what's going on, you kind of have this really great buildup, and then once they start to explain what's going on, it's just like shoots you out of a cannon towards the ending, so it's like it kind of drops this far-fetched concept on you and then was like, boop, movie's over. So I that I wasn't crazy about but I did enjoy kind of the buildup and just the overall quality of it enough to, to enjoy it. Casey. Yeah, so I really love this flick by the end of it. It was uh, a movie I'd heard a lot of buzz about it on Twitter, things like that from a lot of our fans talking about it, saying we should watch it. Um, didn't know much about it, but I know I love Brian Cox. So, you know, how could I go wrong? Uh, but yeah, a lot of things that Mark talks about. 
are spot on. This has a really great pace to it. Uh, the interaction between Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch is fantastic. They are really well together. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in this movie, and it really does some very subtle things in the background and whatnot to make you feel that you, the viewer feel on edge a little bit. Things don't feel quite comfortable. So you've got that tension running with you throughout the movie. Uh, as Mark says, stuff that we're not going to spoil. There's a part where they stumbled a bit in the third act of this movie. But for me, that didn't ruin it because I felt they recovered well from that stumble and uh, it ended on a really strong note. So I, uh, yeah, this is uh, easily the best thing I've watched this year, horror-wise. Ooh. Well, well, it's only February, but still. Yeah, I know. It's early, but still, <laughs> it's pretty damn good. Uh, John Schnars. Yeah, I mean, I thought this movie was actually really scary. Um, there is, there's, for a film with only two characters, they set up a ton of tension. Um, the setting manages to be sort of, like, believable, but also, you know, really creepy at the same time. Um, you know, it's it's an older home. It's actually a fairly small and, like, tightly shot film. Like, there's not a lot of, like, long shots or or kind of, like, deep perspective. It's, it's you're in one room, you're in maybe two or three rooms throughout the film. Um, but he does a great job of, like, moving the camera, a lot of close-ups, a lot of sound editing in some interesting ways. Um, so there's just, a, it's, it's creepy. Um, you know, I definitely agree, you know, for me, the, it, there, it's, it's, I don't know if we want to call it like a twisty film, like there, but basically you, you're kind of trying to unravel this mystery with these guys. And, and I think to Mark's point, like when it's revealed, it, um, it's, it's not, it's basically the kind of thing that like, there was no way you were going to guess it <laughs> because like. It's just kind of like somewhat out of left field. It's not telegraphed. Now that said, like when it does come together, it it all does pull together and and like it it they, it's internally consistent with the rest of the film. Um, but it's it's definitely a little bit of a reach. That said, like I I do I guess I agree with Casey that like at the end of the day, like it still comes together pretty well in the end. I mean, we can even potentially talk about the ending without kind of spoiling it. But um, yeah, I, I ended up really liking it. it. It kind of fell a little short for me of like amazing to just being like very solid. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty much with everybody else. Like we, um, this kept coming up on our radar last year because it was on the list of sort of the short list of kind of things that people said we should check out um, before year end stuff. I, I kind of wish we had, I mean, you know, hindsight, but I think it probably would have, eked onto my top 10 list from last year uh it, it's everybody everything everybody else has said i'm pretty on board with it's very atmospheric i think um brian cox is obviously a great actor i think i like this other dude that's with him uh, i mean it, it's emil hirsch it's, eric he has a name sure sure he does. <laughs> um you know it's like it, it's spooky it's, it's spooky it's atmospheric um smooth face jones my favorite part of it hasn't been talked about a lot so far but like there's this relationship thing between the father and the son where you know the son has learned this trade and obviously like doesn't love it because who would really love it but he's got this connection with his father their mother's passed away in the not too distant past and i think he it's a there's a nice nuance there right like he feels like he needs to stay around and help his father but on the same hand you can tell he's he's using it as a sort of like safety net crutch kind of a thing also like 
there's this brief conversation about the girlfriend wanting him to move away with her. And you can tell, like, he just kind of keeps getting sucked back and, and he can't cut that cord, so to speak. I mean, who's to say even if, like, cutting the cord is the right thing to do, right? I mean, that's a whole other conversation, I guess. But it's he's clearly conflicted, but also really loves his father. And they they have this kind of sweet, sarcastic, kind of smart-assy relationship with each other that I really enjoyed. Like, Brian Cox is, like, a tough father, but you can tell, like, really, really cares about him. Um well, I think they mentioned that it's it's like fourth generation. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's been, right. So, so it's, that's got to be. It's like their family. I mean, thing. that's got to be a tough thing, right? Like, you're handed this legacy and this thing, and you don't really want it, but also you don't want to be disrespectful of it. And so there, you know, I think there's like a lot kind of going on, character-wise, under the hood here. I think it's interesting when we kind of see where things go, how that plays out. Um, maybe like a little unsatisfying. I think where the ending goes for me, like it's a little like woo or willow wobbly at some point as we're getting there. But um, you know the reveal, original reveal. Did you get the vapors? Yeah, I got the vapors. <laughs> a bit. You know, my one thing is this movie. Like it was just a little gross for me. I feel like if Joe's here, he would agree with me on this. Like um, I'm just not that like mid twenties person anymore who just like hey. Just challenge me. I want to see the most disgusting thing possible, <laughs> and I'll keep my eye. Like, no, bro. I'm like, I need to sleep at night, man. Uh, I'm like, I mean, to be is- fair, the first autopsy is scored to an upbeat, like rock and roll song. <laughs> well, this so, is yeah. my other. This is my other thing, right? <laughs> like, show me, show me, like way over the top, colorful, crazy gore, and I'm all for it. But this is what I would, what I would call like CSI, um, you know criminal minds er or like gray's anatomy you just need to watch more gray's anatomy yeah gray's anatomy kind of gore where like quote unquote like normies who hate horror movies somehow watch this show every week where they're basically shown like surgery pornography like (laughs) and it's really disgusting because it's so realistic and so it was like a little rough for me at some point i'm not gonna lie but um you know i manned up (laughs) do you want to know what andy had to say about the movie sure (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I think the distinction of this as a form of television or like actually like kind of talking about this as a version of a CSI, like I wrote down in my notes, like this is like basically Brian Cox as like the SS very spooky stuff is like pretty much what this TV show would be because like the writers behind this were involved in like once and a few other TV shows and I think that that Wait, also once contrib- like the musical once. No, you mean like, once upon no, no, a time? No, 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 like the um, what the the like the fairy tale TV show. Yeah, what the hell is that? Oh my one? god, uh, once, upon people, once upon a time. I, yeah. I wish yeah, Joe yeah. was here to talk about this because I really wonder if people like actually people must watch it. It's been going on for a really long time. Oh yeah, man, this guy like uh, one of the writers. His name is Richard Nang, I believe. Um, he's been a producer on a few things, and uh, uh, I think it's actually. Ian Goldberg, he's the guy that was on Once Upon a Time. Anyway, um, both of the writers behind this definitely have a lineage in like television, and you can really feel it in this. I think in our emails we were talking about um, its comparisons to The Twilight Zone, and I think that that's pretty apparent given some of the developments later in the film. And then also just the fact that it is, as John mentioned, like a closed-door thriller. Like it's You're in one location, very... TV genre as focused. And so in that sense, it's kind of a fun, interesting experiment to see how somebody is like releasing a film 
with more TV traits in terms of its like narrative structure. So like that's kind of a fun attribute of the film um, to kind of just reflect what everyone else said. I do feel like the, the third act kind of forces you to accept a few things that are a little bit out of left field. And some of the conclusions that a couple of the characters come to feel very unearned and kind of surprising. Um, But that being said, it's incredibly atmospheric and creepy. Um, And I think thematically, the movie is trying to wrestle a lot with what it means to have a male-centered narrative that's surrounded by these three female characters that are all in their lives in varying degrees. Like the entire movie is haunted by the specter of Brian Cox's dead wife and right. Emil Hirsch's dead mother, uh, same person. And wouldn't, then wouldn't uh, some people say that's like every Hollywood movie ever made. Like, I mean, some people would, <laughs> but then you also have the other introduction of this Jane Doe character. And for a while watching this movie, I couldn't help but notice like how incredibly awkward it is that they're so focused on just like staring at this body and how that in turn develops later in the film. It's kind of tough to talk around because there's like certain things that happen that really draw attention to the fact that it's necessary for these men to look at this body for these reasons. I mean, it's, it's so clinical though. And like, they're very, you know, professional oh yeah no it's not like it's it's i don't feel like it's something that's done with the intention of being objectifying to the body but i do think thematically speaking i think that the director and the film um and the writers are actually trying to say something about that but by the end of the film i don't feel like the leaps that they make fully coalesce into like a coherent statement about that action Mm -hmm. so take that yeah, themes. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, long drawn out close ups on the face of the dead body throughout this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you yeah. can kind of set your watch to it. Yeah, the other aspect that we talked about over email briefly, but that I really liked was that the the morgue itself is kind of like a character in a way. Like it's this thing that's been passed from generation to generation and they he he makes a comment about how it's been expanded over the years and it's really kind of cool like it's underneath a house like i don't know if it's one of those like homes slash funeral parlors or whatever but it kind of seemed like they lived there um but it's like under the ground you have to take this creepy little elevator to get down there and it's not like in most movies um where you see morgues like this, they're very cold and inhospitable and like they don't, there's nothing inviting about them, but this, this place is oddly kind of chill, right? There's like wood everywhere and it's almost like a little comfortable underground, like bunker. And even like the room itself feels like an old classroom or something. I don't know. There's something like I found. Well, it's odd too that they said this. Very interesting about that. Yeah, and they set this film in Virginia, which was like kind of weird to me, especially like once you know where it's going. But to your point, I think like the the house could have been anywhere. Like it literally was like any house. Like when they show it from the outside, which they do maybe like two or three times, it is very much just like a home. Um, but it just happens to have like a basement well, it's, mortuary. It's 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 good. It's warm, right? Like it made me yeah. think of um, I am not a serial killer because in that movie, it's it's similar, right? Like they're a an undertaking business yeah. or whatever. 
And but when you're in the the room, it's blue. The light is blue, and you feel gross, and you just want to get out of there. You're with the kid, right? You're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is terrible. But they clearly show this like Emil Emil Hirsch is that his name? Like yeah. he 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 he's playing lip service to his girlfriend about how he wants to leave and get out of this, whatever. But you see it in his eye. Like he likes doing this. Like he likes working with mm-hmm. his father above all else. And we the whole place is like oddly inviting like when she wants him to leave as a viewer you're like no stay and hang out with your dad like you know your dad's brian cox he seems cool (laughs) you know what i mean it's like you never feel that revulsion to the room where i feel like most movies want you to feel that whereas in this one it's like they go out of the way to show you how comfortable a place it is i I mean i don't know if i just was like reading Mm -hmm. too much into that but it's the setting is really interesting it adds interesting contrast, like you said too, though, like with the the relationship between Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch, and you see how warm their relationship is. There's not really any animosity there; they're very warm together. But yet, then you look at the way that they treat each other, and then the way that they treat this naked female corpse on their table, and they're very clinical in that sense too. It's kind of just adds contrast through everything if you want to look deep into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like back to kind of what you're, uh, Eric, what you were referencing about, like seeing it in Emil Hirsch's eyes. Like um, as soon as he's done having that initial conversation with his girlfriend, there's definitely a sequence where his basically his character just essentially like lights up at the prospect of kind of like trying to figure out this puzzle yeah, like that he, is this character, right? Like he loves what he's doing. He loves the mystery and unfolding it, and clearly he's like he has an aptitude for it, right? Which makes him all the more. I think internally conflicted about whether or not he will leave with his girlfriend, you know, and you kind of mm-hmm. get the feeling that, you know, if the film had played out differently that he, um, you know, you kind of get the feeling like he wouldn't have left. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah, like, they this... do... oh, I'm sorry, go for it, Mark. I was just gonna say they do a good job of setting that up with the, with the kind of first autopsy where it's like, mm-hmm. he feels, he knows a lot already for being young, but he's like not all there yet. And you can kind of tell that he, Really, like he felt like maybe he knew everything that there was to know, and then realized that he didn't really know all that much, and it kind of drove him to uh, to improve. And that's when it, you know, I thought one of the initially, I thought one of the kind of awkward character points is that they bring up that he's thinking of leaving, and it doesn't really come up a ton in the rest of the movie. It's like one of those things that's kind of tossed out there. But it um, it lays this bed, right, of like it, it then colors every interaction he has with Brian Cox with like this kind of sure. underlying sadness, you know what I mean? Because you see like it this probably won't last. I guess it's more it's more subtle than usually like that is such a I mean, the I can't remember the exact line, but I remember calling it as it happened. You know, the way that he's interacting with his girlfriend. She's like, wait, you haven't told him yet? Like, that line has been yeah, yeah, yeah. in so many different kind of scenarios. Yeah. And the way that that usually plays out is that in, in the middle of some major conflict, that information comes out, right? It's like like in Superbad. <laughs> it's just like another, you know, like, what? You haven't told him yet? Like, that's this is just like, just like that, actually. Well, that's yeah. the most like, ridiculous kind of, you know, but that concept is in so many other movies, and they didn't really go there. There wasn't this, like, one moment of, like, well, I was going to leave anyways, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I, I it's mean, just an interesting thread to, like, float out there and, and not fully. I, you know, it's interesting, though, you say that, because I feel like this movie is about the two of them. Like, yeah. I really don't think this movie is about Jane Doe and all that stuff. Or, or if it is, 
like I'm not, I I was hoping Andy would explain this to me because I feel like I'm not smart enough to understand it, but I feel like the things happening with Jane Doe, I feel like should be in a really well plotted film should be just like, um, give us insight into their relationship. You know what I mean? Or it should be like a metaphor or, or whatever, but I wasn't exactly sure. And I don't know if that's just the film not tying everything together very neatly, but uh, I don't know, but you're kind of, I mean, it kind of does in that way too, because you see throughout this movie where you start to see in con in conjunction with him, not telling his dad that he doesn't want to stay there and do this and stuff. And you see that his skills, not quite to where his dad's is. You see that him and his dad, Emil and his dad, Brian Cox have different viewpoints towards this job. Whereas Emil starts kind of hangs on. He wants to find out what happened to them, what, happened to cause them to be there in their morgue whereas his dad is always saying we are here for cause of death that's it we know nothing but what's in this room so they had kind of different aspects that they were going towards it too yeah i I mean i actually like the way that you see their relationship kind of evolve because to casey's point you while they're in the room it's very sort of like uh you know master and apprentice or expert you know an apprentice and then um, but like once, and it's really like halfway through the film, shit really starts to hit the fan. They start to kind of like um, fall back on the father-son relationship and the sort of like tropes of that, right? I mean, um, there's the sequence where they're hiding in um, in the uh, it, like in interior room, like in the office, and you know Brian Cox is trying to call and like he's at, he, you know, he's just like, he's acting like more in control of the situation than he probably is versus Emil Hirsch. Who's like, you know, kind of freaking out or like kind of, you know, he, they just, they fall back into some of those things and you see it come out, but it's, it's comes out in a way that feels pretty honest to them being adult father and son, as yeah. opposed to like, you know, like yeah. a teenager, like Emil Hirsch is in real life, 31 or two. Well, but he could uh, be 30 in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I was going to so. say like, She's definitely like mid twenties, and that's right around the age, right? And this is where I think this movie hits on something very honest and and interesting, and, and kind of reminded me of like of my own father. Is like you hit that certain age where um, you're still in awe of like their knowledge and experience and their instincts, but at the same time, as you see them get older, there's like a vulnerability that you start to see that is like scary right and you totally see that play out throughout the course of this movie like his father i love the little script things of like um they're doing the autopsy his father keeps saying like oh i saw this once and he knows this whole scenario like he knows so much that Mm -hmm. emil hirsch would have to work for years and years to get and so in that in that way like emil hirsch feels so in awe of of his knowledge but also like at some points in the film hirsch is clearly very worried about his vulnerability. Uh, you know, again, like, I don't know. It's just, th- these are the moments that like, when you couple that with the atmosphere, which is like really spooky, I think you have this really strong little character piece that really reminds me of like a twilight zone or something of that kind of. Yeah. Ilk. It's, it's important to say, like, this movie would not have worked with different actors. I mean, you know, yeah. maybe have there's to like have other good, parents. Yeah, they have to be solid people. Yeah. 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 It, they have to be like, professionals who can pull this shit off because it literally is just them the entire time. I mean, and once the spookiness sort of ramps up, then maybe you can kind of, you could have cheated it a little bit, but um, yeah, it was, it was, I, really- I think this isn't, uh, I don't, this isn't too spoilery cause it's just general spookiness. But the moment when the lights go out 
and all of the uh, the the lockers, I don't even know what you call them, are, are open and the bodies are gone. I laughed out loud at Brian Cox's, we need to get the fuck out of here. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what it was that caused him to be like, okay, now it's time to go. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes back to, like, um, what Eric was mentioning earlier, how, like, this film is, in essence, about the, these two characters, this father and the son character, kind of meeting each other halfway because for the majority of it, Emil Hirsch is kind of embodying this more intuitive, um, kind of like emotionally like open to certain like spooky goings on. Whereas like throughout the film, like Brian Cox is always like, as Casey mentioned, like what is in front of us? What are we seeing at this moment? And then as the film progresses, like eventually like those two aspects of each of those characters kind of develop in really interesting ways and you know they make some decisions together at a certain point it's no longer just like one character making a decision it's like they are working together as a team to get through a situation yeah there's a good moment later on where they kind of you know where one of them's like well all this stuff kind of points to this and the other one says that's kind of got all it can be right and they you know move on from there it's kind of neat to watch that it is neat to watch how they come to those decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's nothing better than a well-placed bucket. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Like, and Brian Cox, I'm that man has the best fuck like phrasing, like of yeah. many actors. The ever. only thing that would have been better. The only thing that would have been better if he was like, I saw this happen once my monkey jail. We need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh yeah. It happens in a uh, trick or treat too. When he's like laying on the ground and he says like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, sh- I mean, I guess we <laughs> they could do talk- some. Uh, I-, I was gonna say, I guess we could talk about like the reveal, the first reveal when we kind of start when Brian Cox starts oddly piecing things together without really giving the ending away. How do you guys feel about that? Mm-hmm. Does that sound okay? Sure. I was gonna say before we get into any revealing stuff, I wanted to bring up too though. I think these guys, this movie, like we said, it's it's a weird kind of a weird pace from what we're used to for a horror movie. It's slow pace, but it it moves along well. Uh, they rely on atmosphere for the creepiness up until a certain point, and they rely on it pretty far into this flick before creepy stuff starts to happen. And when they do the creepy stuff, they rely on pretty simple uh, gags and stuff to make the creepiness happen. So there's a part where Emil Hirsch is walking down the hallway, chasing a noise. He looks in a mirror that's pointing down a corner, and you see something in the mirror. It's not jumping out at you. It's not jump scares. He just looks up and there's, you know, there's something there that's not supposed to be there. And you're like, what the fuck was that? And that's the first time you get hit with anything like that. And then they're later on talking about the lockers. There's another point where he's standing, Emil Hirsch is standing in there. And one of the lockers starts to creep open and he turns around and looks at it. It's like, I could have swore I closed that. That kind of shit scares the poop out of me. If I'm in a, you know, a strange room and a door opens, it's going to make you freak out. Yeah, no, I mean, especially they, in a morgue. This movie's really good at those subtle little. I think that's the first scenes. time I've ever heard the phrase that that kind of shit scares the poop out of me. It scares the poop out of me. Uh, John Schnars. He called the shit poop. We will lay down a yes, spoiler sir. alert right now. I think we all pretty generally recommend this movie. So if you want to skip ahead maybe ten yes. minutes to avoid the spoilers, nah. that's up to you. John, uh, why don't you tell us tell us about just this initial like revelation that. Brian Cox comes to. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I can't even remember because like, I think Doctor. Andy or somebody was joking about it earlier. They, they really like the characters do come to the point where they just kind of like jump to some conclusions where it, it it's a little extreme. Um, but eventually what we arrive at is that 
um, the body. Oh, I remember. They realize, okay, she's from up north, um, meaning the northeast. Then he's like, wait, her body must be old. And there's witchcraft stuff kind of going on around here. And she's from the northeast. Boom. Salem witch trials or, or, you know, like she was basically like a witch. But not only that, it was someone who was tortured because they thought she was a witch. But then she wasn't a witch. And then that made all the witchy stuff happen to her. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Like I that just part lost. was the like TLDR Darby yeah. witchery. I, I lost it at that point because it's like so it's Brian Cox like making like all these assumptions, and it gets to a point yeah, dude, where he's she like, had the peat all over her body. Yeah, Pete, well, I'm not. For, right. Let's point out for Pete. the audience's sake, you're saying peat with a yeah. T. Yeah, not Pete D. versus <laughs> not P. Pete. Yes, with a T. Um, <laughs> like Andy's wine. Yes, exactly. It's a smoky peat. Um, okay, so anyway, like Brian Cox is like, this is impossible because there are no such things as witches. There weren't witches then. She must have been made a witch. So it's like, why would you think that that would be the case? Like, if you he, don't believe that there are witches, why would you think someone could be made into well, a witch? It two, doesn't make yeah. any sense. Two things. So he definitely jumps to it pretty fast. To be fair, it's not that he jumps to like supernaturally things because at this point in the movie, they've like seen some shit. So the idea yeah. that he would make a jump is not the crazy thing. It's that he seems to make a jump like too far of like just, oh, well, this is it. You know, like if there's no logical progression to where he ends up. I take a little umbrage with that, though, because he starts the sentence by saying there's no such thing as witches. There weren't witches in Salem. I mean, like, that's how he starts that sequence, though. But I can see there were never any witches anywhere. I can see Eric's point, though, because up until now, he's the guy that's like, we we only deal with what's in front of us. We are cause of death, nothing else. And then all of a sudden, he's gone through some shit. There's been shit attacking him in the bathroom, slamming him around. There's, you know, the one dude with no face with the bell tied to his ankle, you know, walking around there. By that point, it's... It's broken down his resolve, and so he's he's kind of to the point in his rational mind. At least the way I took it was, it's got to be something fucking weird because what else is going to explain this? But at the same time, yes, I think he did make that jump too far. It's just he he, also, he just makes it so quickly. I mean, the nice thing about it is that they kind of move on, and get back to the spooky stuff, and then like I think by the end it comes around. But in that is that one moment in the whole film where you're like. Mm, that seems a little... I mean, yeah. are you guys for, forgetting that classic biology lesson where all witches have runes on the inside? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, no, that's, you guys must have skipped well, that. Well, and day. how about them, like, folding? They, like, fold the paper up, and, like, there was, like, yes, some... That was some... Where, they, where they went too far, because I want to point out, it didn't go quite as quick as what Schnards explained it. Like, the stuff with the Pete came on earlier in the movie, before the creepy shit started happening, and they find Pete under fingernails, and it was kind kind of like well this is weird there's not peat in this area it only comes from the northeast and a little more time passes and they uncover something else and it's like well this shouldn't be here either it's like when they pulled a flower out of her stomach or something they don't grow here this is weird but then once they get to the point where they start pulling stuff out of her stomach and there's this cloth with her tooth in it which even that part wasn't weird but then they start looking at the cloth it's like oh this is a bible verse and all of a sudden they fold it three times it's like yeah she was a witch so part of for me pacing wise what really made this feel almost kind of silly is that they open up the they open up the body and they they find like all of these runes on the inside right like up until this point you're runes. finding 
runes. Halloween love, 6 style. I love You're finding runes. all of these clues, right? And you have no idea what they mean. And But once they open her up, that's when the lights go out. That's when you start to see, you know, the bodies get out. And you start to see all this other crazy shit. So they go and do that. And they're off dealing with all that stuff for a while. And a bunch of stuff happens. And then they come back. And, like, they're a little frazzled from what happens, right? But they're like, we have to solve this. And that was kind of my issue with it is, like, you know, not that I wanted a movie where they spent 20 minutes researching what's happening, but they just went through all this crazy traumatic shit. And then they come back and all of a sudden they're like, oh, here's what happened and why there's all the shit on the end. You know, and it's just like the conclusions that they reach are I mean, are ridiculous anyways, right? This is this is a horror movie. This is not bound by reality necessarily. But they just like, I guess my issue was that after going through all this crazy shit, they get back and then all of a sudden they have this like really convoluted scenario yeah. figured out. And, and honestly, if we're being honest, I think if this sort of thing happened in a shittier movie, like if it happened in all of these sort of spooky PG-13 movies that we review for the show, we would like shit on it heartily. But yes. the fact that it happened in, in such an enjoyable, high quality film with excellent performances, I think we can give it a pass, but I do think it's worth pointing out that it is pretty ridiculous. It's worth, yeah, yeah I think it's just <clears throat> worth noting, like not the most graceful of reveals. No, sure. mm. but like to the point of the maroons and underneath her skin, Yes, that's ridiculous. That's where they kind of started to fall off the wagon for me. But like the stuff with the burnt lungs and the scar tissue and the organs and stuff like that, I thought that was super effective because that was before the big reveal and they came to this big nutty conclusion. Totally. I thought all the clues, I thought the that, clues were awesome. I thought the, that shit the, bugged like, me. It's funny you mentioned burnt lungs because the only other ridiculous thing I thought in this movie. So there's like several mention of like burnt lungs or like smoke inhalation. And then there's a scene where we see the corpse basically like supernaturally fire up the uh, oven that they used to like cremate bodies and it fills the whole like lower level with smoke. And then they, this is the point at which they have just, I think like there's been a, an accidental murder that's happened. Like they're flipping their shit and they're like, we got to go. She's wants us to not find something out. We got to go like figure some shit out. So they go down the hallway and it's filled with smoke like enough smoke to that no human would be able to just walk through this and be fine. And not to mention they're, they're fucking like doctors. Basically they know what's going to happen and they just, <laughs> they walk right into the smoke and they're totally fine. They don't even cover their mouths and they're fine. And that drove I know, me. My first thought was why didn't they get on their hands and knees and crawl close to the oh, floor? Oh God, I know that almost drove me crazier than the reveal. I'm like, that doesn't check make your any, doorknobs folks. It doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. Yeah, I, yeah, there was a couple things like that, but I wanted to finish the, the thought, like on the organs and stuff. That stuff, when they were showing those with the scar tissue after they opened her up and the burned lungs, that really bugged me throughout this movie because before the big reveal, they keep going back and showing shots of it. And all I can think is, how the hell did that happen? Because she does, there's no visible signs of damage. And I thought it was really, really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, to kind of like back up a little bit and like kind of dissect eh, um, a little bit of about why they think these the spooky stuff is happening, right? So Brian Cox pretty much comes to the conclusion that the reason why this particular corpse, uh, who we find out is actually not dead, this titular Jane Doe, is she still has cellular activity, we see. And the reasoning behind why this is occurring, he believes anyway, 
is that the um, uh, fellow citizens of the town that she grew up in, ostensibly Salem, basically like tortured her to death because they thought that she was a witch. And so in a certain way, I there's this witch, a witch. witch. I was waiting yeah. for it. There you go. So there's this certain way in which, which, which in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't do there's it. There's a certain way in which things. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So there's the certain way in which the, um, titular, or the so-called like villain of the piece, like the, the source of the horror is not made necessarily because of some supernatural thing she's made because other people did that to her and so that's the stuff that i think is more interesting that i think that the movie probably could have explored in greater detail i'm still kind of wrestling with this idea that the film essentially follows these two characters talking about how this particular body was probably a victim of human trafficking like there's a point in here in which they talk about like how much human trafficking like it has the same um uh same basically like diagnoses of this body and i i guess i just kind of don't really know what the film's trying to say with that is like is it saying that that type of horror is scarier than the supernatural stuff that's happening but then why are they flipping it over to just focus on the um, actions of the father and the son. I don't know. I, I'm still kind of like going back and forth on that. I mean, it could be just so much as like they're, they, they play a lot with the idea of like, you know, they deal in facts, but also you sort of can't help when you're doing this, but try to play investigator on top of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it's quite, that it goes quite that deep. But like the stuff with him theorizing about the sex trade and stuff like that and trafficking, it was kind of a red snapper in a way, too, because they're setting you up with something modern. You, the viewer, you're watching and they start (laughs) they start talking about the, uh, you know, a modern setting that this could be that something could be going on. So you're starting to think, yes, it could be something like that, because even for a moment there, I was like, maybe she was involved in like trafficking. And then they go completely, you know, 90 degrees to the right and it's gotten fucking weird. So, but I guess like at the same point, it's like you, you have to go beyond what the film is giving you mechanically. And I can't really tell if the filmmakers had any idea other than just the fact that they were going to make a movie about this father and son figure, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Which I mean, like is, you know, it's not it doesn't diminish my enjoyment of the performances or the film's overall style or just its effectiveness as a spooky piece of cinema. Like I enjoyed all that stuff. I just don't really know what it was trying to say. I, yeah, point. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it's trying to say much. Right. It, yeah. And it, it at least and if it is, I mean, I agree with you that if it is, it's not doing a great job at it. Um. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that I, there's there's only so many sort of grisly conclusions that they can come up with when they're discussing what's going on. So the fact that it's human trafficking, while obviously like 
horrible and something that definitely you know deserves commentary i i wonder if they weren't even trying to say anything about it they well, were just trying to like yeah I just some, hor- some horrible thing that i could and, yeah. and we right. won't spoil too much but kind of like in the end i think they decide to really like go there and the consequence of that is that they sort of have trouble i think tying up some of these thematic threads you know i think it's still presents a very interesting scenario that like most people can relate to on some level you know what i mean so you know i certainly i think it it is interesting in that respect um it just maybe doesn't bring was the was the moral was it not just the rb witches the Harpy Witches. That was, that was, I thought that oh, was look it. around the corner. The Harpy Witches. Look out. The Harpy Witches. Oh, I can twirl my mustache. Uh, uh, all right, guys. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I don't believe this will qualify for our 2017 list, but would nope. you Would you recommend... We, we missed the boat. Would you recommend this, Mark? Yeah, definitely. John? Yes. Casey? Absolutely. Andy? Yes. Eric? Yes. The rare fiver. Five thumbs up <laughs> from the BGH crew. We should pat we should, you know, trademark fiver, the I think. Fiver. Let's take a quick break and do <laughs> No one's ever used that before. Some fan mail. Chud. Check your basement and your bathroom. Keep off the street and try to hide. But remember, the dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. This is Jason Muse, and you're listening to BloodyGoodHorror.com. Yes. Send your emails to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or hit us up on Twitter at BGHorror with the hashtag AskBGH. And don't forget to pick up back episodes of the show at podcast.bloodygoodhorror.com. And we are back. We are back. In the house. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com. <laughs> Sometimes Eric really hands those up. We really Oh, man. <laughs> Feeling it tonight, uh, schnars. We got one email tonight from Leslie. Leslie says, I was listening to an audiobook. This is great. This is like, honestly, John, I don't mean to hype this email too much. It's one of my favorite ever emails on the show. Whoa, wow. You'll see, Leslie, why, in, you'll see why in a congrats. second. It just ties together so many BGH things. She you says, get flattered a and, lot in it, don't you? And it's short. <laughs> oh. Even better. All right. She says, I was listening to an audiobook on my way into work this morning, and the narrator described something in the book as, quote, marble so old it looked like it was made of white butter. And I thought, oh, butracious. <laughs> thanks, Schnars. <laughs> or thanks, Mark. 
keep up the good work, guys. Was that... Okay, obviously it was a word of the day. I vaguely remember butracious or something. There's a weird Y in it. It's beauty, Y-R-A-C-E-O-U-S. Like, that's... First of all, I think golf clap for that email. Was that like a Mark word of the yeah. day? Like, why is Mark involved? I don't remember this. I don't know. No, <laughs> I think. And then I we. Think and the then word I, was I do. Butracious, yeah. But then Mark was just saying buttracious. Yeah. No. We. I, I recall. Oh, that's. Right. I recall the yeah, rest but, of the show outrageous. making yeah. buttracious jokes. Right. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's buttracious. But that's great. I just great. looked it up again, and oh, I just loved that the definition is of or like butter. I mean, John, <laughs> this is like the best possible case scenario of a word of the day you literally educated somebody and they heard this and went i know what that means word of the day oh, yeah. that's no, butter. you're right that might be a first actually in bg history it's too, just so. it made me feel like warm and fuzzy inside that's a great and email. i can't wait for next week when someone sends us an inspiring story about finally learning what autopsy means <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Eric, though, Eric, important note, though, Leslie could be a man or a woman's name. So, you know. Uh, based on the picture, I'm going to say, uh, wait, well, I guess I haven't looked at it close enough. Careful. I was going to say, wait, they say well, no picture? With it's a, the yeah, she's a lady. You know, well, Gmail gives you that little teeny picture and I'm uh, blind. Yeah, so. okay. All right. I'm enough. an old man. I can't see shit. Anyway, so uh, you, <laughs> Leslie, thank you for the butracious email. Did I do that right? No. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty Did good. she send you a picture of butter with the email? Yeah. <laughs> Is it a gif of butter melting? Oh, Is that man. Just... I oh, emails covered in butter. <laughs> I love it. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com email address. We're also on Twitter at BGHorror and the hashtag AskBGH or BGH Classics. Sure, quick plug. We have no BGH Classics this week, but if you Boom. happen to be listening to our back episodes and you hear something silly uh, tweeted to us with the hashtag BJH Classics and we'll read it on the show and try and sneak in the episode number if you can. Okay. We also use the hashtag SBGH. We uh, typically around when we're going to record, we'll tweet this out from our Twitter, BG Horror, if you're not following, what's wrong with you? Uh, and you can ask us questions and we'll do our best to answer them. This first one's from the movie Pit. This movie reminded me of After Dark 8 Films to Die For movie, Unrest. Have any of you had a chance to see that film? I haven't seen I, I, have. I didn't see a lot of those. That was a big thing there for a few years, though. Oops, someone's good. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one. <laughs> I remember the cover of it for some reason. I remember one yeah. After Dark movie. It was called Rats. Mm-hmm. Rats. I was covering a lot of those early on when that film festival started. I'm pretty sure I saw that one, but I don't remember. Mm. Is that like Masters of Horror era kind of stuff? A little At, bit, yeah. Eight films to, yeah. I mean, do you remember that, Andy? Or are you just? I I remember like covers and stuff. I mean, they remember, went. Like, I mean, the they went theatrical, right? Would they do it over like a yeah. weekend or something? Well, oh, they, really? They, it was like over Halloween, and you could see like one, any one of the eight, or you could like buy like multiple tickets. I uh, mean, that was the big it, deal about it was that it was literally like uh, a national stage for like these little indie horror films. I think unfortunately, like. Some of them were just kind of hot garbage, but yeah, you know, it so was definitely Eric, it was like an interesting endeavor. Important note about uh, unrest: it stars one Joshua Alba, brother of Jessica Alba. Is he also hot? 
I mean, if you are interested in a dude version yeah. of um, Jessica Alba, then I mean, I am, I am, I am interested enough in Jessica Alba that I can't say no for sure without seeing. So, <laughs> I, I respect your honesty. What's the name so. of this movie? <laughs> Unrest. Unrest. I think you're gonna be uh, pretty. One is furiously googling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Checking it out. I heard he was in the second sequel to Honey. Did he change his That's name? He Did he was. change his name? Because I don't Honey see anybody too. in this list named Alba. <laughs> Honey, Honey Tutu. No, his Joshua oh, Alba there. here. He's there. I can I can ping you his IMDb page if. Oh, there okay. As much as I'd love to continue untangling this. <laughs> wow, let's get a that Stephen is Baldwin, wow. So. It is weird how much he looks like Jessica Alba. I'm not into it though, for the record. Sure. Oh so yeah. Don't, don't stand up, Eric. This next one's from uh, Fat Duck. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> from Fat Duck with a P and two Ks because this is the internet. Why not? Uh, Joe does beer. The Duke guy does words. Can we get vape recommendations from Casey? Yes. No. Casey, tell us about your sick rig, brah. Uh, my rig's lame. But I'll recommend <laughs> Yellow Dye Number 5 from Vape Wild. Are, oh. you, are you at it all? Like like Isn't that the one that like... It does taste like my I was going to say... Are Doesn't you, it give you low sperm count, though? Casey, are you at all uh, worried uh, about like it blowing up in your pocket and burning your dingus off? No. That'll give you a low sperm Does count. Does that happen? Is you that a see, thing? Oh, yeah, John, but... let me send you some videos. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Don't do that. Here's the thing. All of, these, all of these vapor things, John, even like the nice ones, the, um, the fucking lithium-ion batteries are all just really cheap and made in China. And so they're just not, they're not good. And so the, you can see all these surveillance videos of people like, oh, I'm in line at a grocery store. And guess what? My pocket exploded. Like literally these batteries, just, they're from China. They're, they, they, they're in the community. You know <laughs> worse batteries, batteries to buy. Yeah, like you got to be careful because yeah. they literally will make expo- batteries in America. They literally will explode batteries. and burn your shit up. So, But in all seriousness, though, like this thing, uh, my China has... Uh, stuff built into it it regulates the wattage and crap like that they sell mods for people that want to blow giant clouds and stupid stuff like that as unregulated mods and those are the ones that blow up because there's nothing monitoring and keeping the uh, wattage and stuff steady and then it just goes haywire i think we need uh, some unregulated vape machines for our trickle down vaping john john you have no idea how deep the the vape hole goes yeah. No idea. I mean, I like kind of think I know, John, but yeah, this is like John, 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 there's a competitive vape cloud scene where you compete to make the sickest vape clouds. Yeah, well, that was on Portlandia, so I know about yeah. that. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that's <laughs> Portlandia, pretty accurate for a vape <laughs> You know, you got to know about uh, ohms and like sub ohms and shit, and you got to have the right, cha- the right chamber and like, you know, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, if you want to make your own coils, you have to know ohms coils, and Coils, you got to know coils and heating temperatures and... Cats and dogs living together. Guys, yeah, I just get a lighter and a. It's a whole thing. I call my pack. He smokes (laughs) cigarettes. But it tastes fruity, so, you know, it tastes better to cigarettes, so. Casey, do they make uh, Mountain Dew Baja Blast flavored? 
No, but no. they do make code. They Co- do make code red flavored, which is called Red Dawn. I was going to say get, code red. Can I get something that represents the taste of biting into a cheesy gordita crunch and then oh, washing oh. it down with a Baja Blast? Because I would be interested. In that. I you have, probably I, could. I have seen savory flavors, but no, thank you. Yes. Uh, Let me know who, who asked flavor. this question, and can we block them on Twitter going forward? <laughs> <laughs> can they be blocked? <laughs> Let me know can when I the double down tape makes up. Stouffer's TV dinner flavor. I have bomb pop flavored. I hmm. want the whole lasagna. What about root beer popsicle flavored? Yes, they do have that. I have uh, Red Bull flavored. So there. How often do you mix? I'm fascinated now. How often do you, mix, <laughs> do you mix up your flavors? Oh, not very often. Are you like Bro. this is the five hour energy morning and you dump it in? And you can. Them? I mean, you can buy the you can buy the chemicals and then you get like uh, some. I think it's propylene glycol or you can use um. Uh, there's like a natural version of it, but you can mix your own shit. You could become a yeah. you could become a flavor smith. It's actually like vegetable <laughs> glycol. I can't remember the official yeah. It's name like for vegetable it. glycerin. That's what it is. Yeah, yo, you can buy so, kits now. You can buy the kits with the scales, and you get beakers and Erlenmeyer flasks and all sorts of stupid. Uh, stuff. Well, I from, task uh, one of our listeners to come up but, with uh, donkey sauce flavored veggies. But it, but you got to be careful because if you're doing the nicotine kind, the um, that's this thing like this controversy where you can just buy these tubes full of, like concentrated nicotine, but literally like if you get like a drop on your finger, it will kill you because it's so like highly concentrated. So, Eric, you know a ludicrous amount about this first one. I have this thing I do where, like, I get weirdly interested in a subject, and then I literally just go learn everything about it for like a week, and then I just drop it, and then I'm done. But then I retain (laughs) a lot of that dumb knowledge. So, are you describing the second spinoff of Breaking Bad? Is that what this is going to be? I Earl (laughs) Grey (laughs) Tea. So, vaping. Next next week. Next week. Vaping with Casey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Jesus balls. Okay, that's next what I want to be known for. This next one's from Diebach Miller. Probably the scariest corpse in movie history. What do you guys think? Pretty freaky. Yeah, it is pretty freaky. Pretty freaky, yeah. I don't know. Ben Gardner and Jaws is pretty freaky. Mm. Yeah, that is freaky. You're right. Yeah. There was a couple times when they got in close to her. Throughout this movie, and you get like when Emile Hirsch got like close up to her face with like uh, tweezers or camera or whatever. I thought that they, you know, I was waiting for the she was going to jump up and bite him or something, but it never happened. Thankfully, <laughs> she didn't move the whole time. Yeah, we should give that actress some credit. She was selling some some pretty convincing like tonal shifts throughout the film. I actually was read an article. I think she was. No, yeah. Like I'm 100% like not messing around. Like I think you uh, legitimately like needed somebody that was going to be able to kind of just alter her face slightly throughout it. I was reading an article last night actually that uh, the director was talking about. He picked that girl because uh, she is very involved in yoga and very skilled at it. So is it lent her the skills to be able to lay that still and do kind of things like that. He didn't speak like to what Andy's speaking to uh, directly, but I imagine it was. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly like even though it wasn't maybe on his face a really demanding role, like laying there as still as she was could not have been easy. Yeah, because it wasn't a body double or like a for I mean the obvious parts were practical effects, but that was her. 
Yo, that girl got runes under her skin. All right, next one. Get that girl a flannel. This is from Cooley1979. I wonder when Cooley was born. Uh, and Split is the supervillain origin story, and that McAvoy will take on Bruce Willis in the next movie? Question mark. That was a very abstractly formed question. Uh, maybe. I don't Most even know likely. how to deal with that. Yeah, I think so, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I just Ron Burgundy that. If you haven't seen Split, go see Split. Um, the, uh, yeah, we'll try to pass that one through quality control next time. Okay, this is for uh, next one. It's from This is the last one, in fact, from J.D. Burge. Can we get a buddy cop movie with Emil Hirsch's character and the kid from I'm Not a Serial Killer? Call it Morgue Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to see a buddy cop movie with him and Brian Cox. I'm like, in on that. They already sort of had a like, you know, forensics investigation thing going on. So, and they have a chimpanzee go- partner played by Andy Serkis. Chimpanzee to chimpanzee. We could have like a even better pairing between uh, <laughs> Brian Cox and Christopher Lloyd from "I'm Not a Serial Killer." And call it like old monsters or old farts or something. Uh, nah, farts in the title farts usually does well with a Z. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a killer. Just just farts with a Z, but it's like an acronym. We'll have to come up with it. <laughs> I love it. Old farts with a Z. My favorite. Yeah. It's I could dig it. Fast track that in production, Schnars. There we go. I'll come, like a I'll good joke to get the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah. Fast action, radioactive. So, teenage. <laughs> Zerk. Have we lost Derek? <laughs> I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with the acronym. I've never Next, been more. Out over there. I've never been more present, John. <laughs> What was the what was the fucking cop movie with like they're dead people but it's, it's like an acronym Dead Heat R.I.P.D. Oh yes. ripped yeah uh, farts I thought you were talking about Dead Heat with Mickey Rourke <laughs> that they were talking idea. about Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just saying movies with dead people <laughs> <laughs> no mine is actually about like dead cops or whatever cool. Mark was I'll just saying up. shit what's up. Mark ruined the joke. Oh, yeah. Blame it on me. <laughs> Good job, Mark. He, he who sits there trying to work out the farts acronym on a live show. Fast action. Rhinoceros. Nope. T.O. You should probably start backwards. You should pick something for the Z. Yeah, I what's feel like the, the Z? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Za. <laughs> oh, what was the dude's name from? You can make them old Power Rangers. <laughs> Treacherous. Gold. Treacherous. Gold radio. Rangers. Oh, Jesus Christ almighty. Well. Asshat. All right. So next week. <laughs> isn't it strange that Joe is the person who holds the show together? Isn't that weird? Wait, was that the last, wait, was that the last tweet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I knew because Mark said before he read it, this is the last tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Say I no. I knew that because that is how it is. Say no more. Oh, Christ. I like that you were waiting for more tweets. <laughs> I was. <laughs> John Sparks. Right, right. really trying to kill time between those last couple tweets. John, we're giving away books. Hey, we are. John, we're giving away books. Everyone's going to read. That's your cue. 
Good search reads. for bloody good. John doesn't know anything about this. Go to <laughs> yeah, good reads and search for bloody good horror, or go to the book club through our Instagram. What are we giving away? Dot com. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book. God, it's by Anita, uh, damn it! Damn it! Why'd you do this to me? Because you're the fucking editor in chief, Mark. Oh, there comes the Saved by the Train. It's your shit right, together. Uh, we are giving away. <laughs> Five copies of The Devil Crept In by Anya Alborn. Yes, a follower and listener of Bloody Good Horror. And future guest on Something Red Podcast. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Andy, what's going on Sophistical? John Wick, Chapter 2. Love it. Go see it. It's great. Chapter Dose. Don't spoil it, Andy. I haven't seen it yet. Come on. No spoilers. Right. If you uh, have any thoughts on that, write in sophisticald at gmail.com. Love it. Okay, guys. It's going to do it. What's next week? A cure for wellness. Ooh. Yay. Schnarzy. Sounds like a schnarzy good time to me. It's mm-hmm. your boy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Also, next week, I will have come up with a farts acronym. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> You're going to be working he's on gonna, this all week. He's going to. Yeah, my up this show and put his thinking cap right on. I got my on. notebook over here. I'm going to scratch out some notes. Don't you uh, don't you worry, listeners. I'm on top of it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. The Autopsy of Jane Doe was a movie. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week. Adios. See you. Farewell. Bye-bye.